Welcome to our weekly tech review where we explore the latest trends, news and updates from the world of technology. This podcast is the perfect source for staying up to date with what is important to know right now. With me today I have Henrike from Freetech Academy, Vincent from Update and myself. I'm Tarek from Ideas Engineering. You can watch all episodes on YouTube or listen to us on all major podcast platforms such as Spotify and Apple Podcast while you work out, drive, or maybe even travel through space. So let's jump into the news. And today we are going to start with Henrike. Yes, so I brought an article from T3N, um, which is about uh, machine learning and music. And if you put away all the advertisements that are just popping up, (laughs) (laughs) um, you can also see what it's about. Um, Yeah, the first minute of a song um, often determines whether you as a listener will stay with it or switch. And so now researchers um, use machine learning to actually predict which songs will become hits um, because you stick to them and which one won't. Um, In this article, they say that these hit songs can be identified with a probability of up to 97%. Um, And how did they do it? They equipped the participants of the study with sensors and uh, their neurophysiological, you know, brain reaction. (laughs) Let's say brain reaction to the songs they were measured. Um, Those that are um, connected to or associated with mood and energy level. And um, they were apparently able to predict market outcomes, including the number of song streams, um, up to a pretty accurate uh, amount. And I thought when I saw this, and this might be a little bit of connection to our other podcast that we had, because we talked about that there once, this should be something Germany is using for the ESC. I mean, like, (laughs) this is so useful when we really want to try to get another hit in the next ESC. This is something we should have a look into. For all of our non-European listeners uh, and watchers, the ESC is the European Song Contest, a yearly contest where all the nations from like kind of the U- European Union uh, come together and present like their favorite national songs. When they watch Germany uh, and lose Ger- every time, yes. Yeah, <laughs> and Germany is not really uh, constantly successful there. <laughs> we, we had a couple of hits, but usually we are somewhere at the last place. We're good at <laughs> I mean, getting last place, yeah. <laughs> I, I think it's quite logical. I mean, this um, to, tra- to, un- to understand, because I, in, the thing, in the end, I think you can very... Uh, securely or very easily measure what kind of specific patterns make a hit song. I mean, even we, without scanning any 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 songs for data or anything like that, no, listen to some songs and say this has the pot- potential to be a summer hit. You know, those songs that are just cool for one summer and then they kind of are getting forgotten again. And and so I think that specifically AI can definitely measure these kind of patterns and just pre- i mean I'm, i don't know if it will predict it predict a song that will be uh, a classic in 200 years from now uh, but i'm pretty sure it will be it will predict uh, short-term hits 
because I think and it that's is quite all easy. we need. So that's all yeah. we need. It's just <laughs> like for the need, spring yes. season during the European <laughs> Song Contest. That's when we need this information. Nobody cares if it's still a hit in 20 years from now. <laughs> but I have a very strong opinion regarding <laughs> this topic. Please share right. it. How, no, how I mean, humane is I it? See... What, what is your opinion? <laughs> no, I really see a, a very big danger in here. Uh, and on the one side, I see a, a great opportunity for optimizing our music production to hit song production. But this is like optimizing for something that we... in, in quotation marks already know people are loving a certain kind of music and so we are producing more and more it's like uh, a problem that we have in journalism right now if we are optimizing re regarding traffic and producing very clickable content with the most magnetic headlines and the most clickable thumbnails then everybody uh, every all the content starts looking like and is just um, designed like artificially designed to uh, to target like clicks and traffic um and you are losing the um the innovation or like the diversity or the experiments for new stuff because everything is just optimized for uh, for for um pulling in more traffic and i i fear if we do this for everything that we are doing generating texts and generating music and generating movies or something and everything is going to be generated um, optimized for user traffic it will be very very um ho homogeneous uh, very similar everything is going to be similar and um, optimized for this one specific thing and this is like clickability right and so um, i fear that if everything is optimized we are going to lose the sense for adventure innovation and trying something new yeah, for the diversity I, for sure i always yeah exactly so if i remember uh, one thing that i really loved about the band queen for example when they started making music it was so different and people were wondering why are they doing this crazy style of music but they became like a, an iconic um, creator of music and a trendsetter for like craziness in in pop music creation and they generated these weird mixtures of pop music and rock music and classic music and whatever they thought would be cool and they produced like two minute pieces and six minute pieces and eight minute pieces and away from all the standards and i'm not sure if an algorithm or like an ai which would have analyzed the top performing songs in that era would have suggested the creation of this kind of music and so if in the future all the music labels are relying on this kind of ai telling them what next hit song to write i fear then that everything is going to sound alike because this is going to be like a self-fulfilling prophecy. And, but then is the question, will then also it become less attractive if really in the end everything is optimized so that it all sounds the same, then it's boring for us to listen to it and then it's kind of having mm -hmm. a reverse effect, I could imagine. Yes, but then we have to be smart enough to create new stuff outside yeah. of uh, the machine learning world because the machine learning world won't have data to rely on to predict innovative new styles of music that, that we can then feed back into the machine as something that is worth creating. Totally right, yeah. yeah. 
and then then we will have like crazy new artists who are doing like manual music actually <laughs> using a guitar and machine. start playing exactly yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah and this will be the new innovation the new the, i don't know 20 35 and the new innovation next generation creating music by hand <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so innovative it will all come back <laughs> right yeah right full circle and now this let's jump to vincent and yes apple Yeah, so um, I know last week we already spoke about this and I just want to emphasize on this a bit more because it is really interesting that Apple is, um, what Apple did show us and what they didn't show us. So the information here spoke to a few people or actually a few more people that have been working on this headset. As we know, Apple has been working on this over 10 years. And what they did, uh, talking to them, is that they more or less spoke about specifically what was potentially planned wasn't already was not shown yet or was potentially completely killed off and Tyke, last time you spoke already about it um that that this this really looks like an entertainment headset and maybe a production productivity headset but there are a few things they did not dip in so they didn't dip in in fitness they didn't dip in um, a deeper understanding of or deeper visualization of the the uh, of of you being a a own avatar um these kind of things weren't shown yet and this article actually is really interesting because it shows that there is much more to it so apple is not really in production with this headset yet it seems like because um a lot of things like gestures weren't allowed. The, most of the gestures weren't allowed to be used during the um, the time that the journalist had the headset. Um, the typeface wasn't able to be used. Also, gaming is something that Apple obviously wants to bring to this headset, but at the same time, they didn't really emphasize on it. And Apple Store had uh, Phil Schiller. Um, they he really pushed on this. It looks like internally. But Apple just w wasn't able to do it. And the question behind that is kind of why. Uh, one idea is also the question or one, one answer to this could be the answer to the question why Apple did not show more Mac OS apps on this thing. Because Vision OS is kind of a mix. It is a mix between iOS and Mac OS. So it runs Mac OS, a stripped down version. But also iOS is a stripped down version of Mac OS uh, of OS X. OS X. So... Um, Apple is really not close to finishing off on the software. And that was shown specifically with the productivity features. So um, it is, we are still waiting on to see. I mean, maybe when the new dev kits are launching, we'll see what it will be able to do. Last week, we spoke about the effectiveness of a software that it runs efficiently on that hardware. And maybe one of the answers is the chip that is in the ITS headset is just not able to do all these kind of things. I mean, we see that there is an M2 Pro in there. We see that there is a specific chip in there that does all the AR features and managing the camera input and these kind of things. But it looks like it is not, not fit enough currently to do a lot of features like, again, Mac OS apps, like a lot of the games that are running on iOS. And that is interesting because it shows that the, the framework it runs on It's just very, very different. So we'll see. But uh, I thought I'd bring this to show how far 
we are actually from launching, uh, yeah, from launching this and for experiencing it in our hands. Yeah, it's true. And uh, on the one hand, I also fear that they might have promised too much. But at the same time, it's it's Apple. And we, we are waiting for this release for so long that I can't imagine that they don't know what they or they were not knowing what they were doing when they were announcing this headset. So I'm, I'm pretty sure that they have a plan uh, in place to actually release this thing next year. And as we saw that they already opened up these development hubs and are giving out these test platforms, they have something. Yeah, And um, people were already testing this, this device. And so I think they will move like Uh, heaven and earth <laughs> to actually make it happen to release this this next year but yeah it, it, of course we we don't really know um what is already in production and um how the final version that is going to be sold is then actually going to look like i mean when we look at this apple presented it as to be the successor of mac uh kind of or definitely a new category <laughs> yeah. uh of computing next to mac so um what i potentially will what i think is that we will now see how apple did all these things with apple watch where they have extra fitness bands and they have the iphone with small and bigger screen sizes and we have mac with the macbook air which is kind of powerful currently but let's say macbook mini for a mac mini for example and then you have the mac um the mac pro with the m1 ultras m2 ultras um And we see how Apple is doing these for all these specific circumstances. So what I what I think Apple will potentially do, what we will see, or what could, what I think could happen is that we will see, even though fitness is not in there right now, we will see a vision, vision for fitness. And we will potentially see a vision for gamers, maybe not with an M1, M2, maybe with an M2 Ultra or an M3 Ultra or whatever will be then the, the hottest shit. So um, as you already said, it's Apple. So I'm pretty sure they will launch this thing and then they will diversify into all the different use cases, just like they did with iPad, with Mac, uh, with watch and eventually also with iPhone. Right. At the end, it's Apple. <laughs> and now this. And we have one more news, <laughs> one more thing. <laughs> And we haven't uh, spoken for a long time about quantum computing. Um, and this is quite interesting because it's once again Microsoft. Microsoft seems to work hard to be become like one of the uh, most valuable companies right now uh, to get their hands into everything that is hyping right now. Um, because Microsoft expects to build a quantum supercomputer within the next 10 years. Microsoft announces its roadmap for building a quantum supercomputing uh, computer using topological, topological qubits, that's what they call it. The company believes it will take fewer than 10 years to achieve a quantum supercomputer capable of 1 million reliable quantum operations per second. Microsoft made a breakthrough in creating Majorana-based qubits, which are stable but challenging to create. The team published a peer-reviewed paper establishing their progress towards a quantum supercomputer. Even though this is like a paper, I'm always very skeptical if someone is presenting a paper and not like a working prototype, but this is what they are presenting right now for their next 10-year roadmap. And the next step is to build a, a hardware-protected qubit uh, that works on entangling and braiding uh, them. 
Microsoft also introduces Azure Quantum Elements, a platform combining high-performance computing, AI, and quantum, and Copilot for Azure Quantum, an AI model for generating quantum-related calculations and simulations. And IBM and IonQ and others are also in an arms race to advance beyond the NISQ era. And this is what I am very curious about, because right now Microsoft is on top of their game with their Azure platform because they have the capabilities of OpenAI in their infrastructure and creating like this co-pilot platform for basically everything. And since I uh, once started building like prototypes on a quantum computer simulator, the first thing that I had in mind back then was when will I be able to have like an AI co-pilot helping me with the implementations? Because for me as a non-physicist, but a computer engineer, it was quite challenging to actually write uh, software for the quantum computer. And so th this is going to be, from my point of view, a game changer if we have a, a an AI-operated co-pilot, which is going to implement and optimize quantum computer software. And this might actually be the next big thing um, for... Uh, this this entanglement, let's call it entanglement, between the world of AI advancement and quantum computer for the next 10 years. So kudos for Microsoft if they actually get this running. Yeah. Quantum computing always kind of blows my mind. I kind of, it kind of exceeds my imagination. It's like I <laughs> once took part in a, in a talk where someone explained it for dummies and I still, he, he really <laughs> tried to <laughs> put it down, break it down in a way so that everyone can get an understanding of it. But still, it, it still blows my mind. And I think, I mean, having an AI co-pilot, I mean, probably I'm not the yeah. one who will be actually using it, but it totally makes sense. And it's um, for, for people to get kind of uh, maybe an understanding or make use of it. It's, it's yeah, totally makes sense. Yeah, it is, it is really true. And everyone who has no idea how quantum computing is working, it is not easy to understand. Um, I studied computer science and the, the basic thing that we learned with computer science is that it does you can break it down to math it's it's literally just math if you break it down to ones and zeros it's algorithmic and math and if you manage to learn math you are able to program everything on on any level of computer science but if you take a look at quantum computation this is not just like the the binary math that you learn in computer science, this is suddenly physics and not only physics, but quantum physics. And quantum physics is this crazy thing that if you start reading about it, it reads like philosophy and maybe a little bit science fiction or even fantasy because sometimes it does not really make sense. <laughs> and this is the crazy thing. You, you think people are lying to you because this is, sounds so crazy, but especially now that we have these computers, these quantum computers, it obviously works. It's it's not magic, it works. There is a scientific foundation about this. But if you try to explain someone what quantum entanglement is, it's like this magical connection which nobody really can explain, but it just works like it. <laughs> and so so really, really crazy. Yeah. And, and so it's it's weird 
for, for me as an enthusiast in science and physics to say it's kind of like magic, <laughs> but it is. And so uh, having like a, a Microsoft Copilot helping me <laughs> implement this with, with AI, I'm really looking forward to it. And uh, this might open up um, this realm for the mainstream. I'm just having troubles, honestly, uh, to to really come uh, to, to understand how copilot yeah. will help there i mean i have a very easy understanding <laughs> of what copilot will do for me in like uh in the front end of powerpoint or outlook or something like that that's easy for me but just as henrico already pointed out it's tough for me to understand honestly so i'm really excited to see yeah. how, what how, what this will do yeah at the end, I guess um, that these wrappers around the, the quantum computational development, they make it um, unnecessary to actually understand what quantum computation is. I could even imagine that you don't even have to know if your application is using any kind of quantum computation because you just tell the copilot what you need to have happen. And then it decides if you if it uses in the background like, um, a neural network for solving this problem or a pocket calculator <laughs> or maybe a, qu a quantum computer uh, because it can decide um, what is the most efficient way to get to to solve your problem mm. yeah and so um you don't have to decide what to use you don't have to decide how to use it it is going to program itself this is like a very very simple answer for this question but at the end i guess this is how we are going to use this technology in 10 years from now yeah i mean we will see i'm really also i think that microsoft i mean they're having server troubles day by day currently because there is because <laughs> gpt is using so much of their service so i mean they are really in yeah. need for a supercomputer uh <laughs> to, to yeah they are i mean they are building those unique chips and everything i think a few weeks ago we already discussed it costs them a few billion a year to develop these uh, they are in need to stay ahead um, yeah yeah and it's it's really I, I did not read about this yet um but i hope that this is not some kind of a bubble where we invest and invest and invest in these high-tech technologies but at the end, we run out of silicon or some natural resources that we need to expand our, our computational centers for like the next, uh, the next hype of maybe quantum computation, uh, since everything is already completely um, uh, depleted for the race, the, the current running AI race. So if we put the quantum race on top of the AI race, Maybe if if uh, if uh, Apple is now also um, launching the the A the the um, XR race yes. for for mixed reality yeah. because uh, everybody forgot about mixed reality, but now we are starting uh, building like uh, uh, GPUs again for using them in uh, uh, spatial computing devices. <laughs> now everything comes together, and uh, we won't be able to I don't know. Uh, pay for a pocket calculator anymore <laughs> but that's a complicated thing right i mean it all kind of is connected yeah. we have this we have uh, there is more code written than ever before there is this question of web 3.0 with this question we also will get the question of of how performant a xr kind of experience might be and that will in the end will be solved by potentially a supercomputer that is used by the co-pilot uh, because it is a vast amounts of data that needs to be processed and this is the way 
Yeah. So um, it's re yeah. really yeah. We, we are now in 2023, and uh, the release of 6G as the next uh, mobile communication standard is like estimated for 2030, right? So only seven years uh, in, in the future. So the next seven years will be super interesting if we foresee the development of the, the quantum supercomputers, what is going to happen with spatial computing, what is going to happen. I mean, in seven years with AI, we already see what, what is going on right now. Um, so the, the next seven years will be super interesting in the evolution of the high-tech landscape. And I'm, I'm sure nobody can really foresee what, what is, how the world is going to look like in 2030. And if we get a visit yeah. from a woman with a machine gun shooting through our windows and we don't know what's up, but we work on these kind of systems, <laughs> we better stop immediately. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But I mean, that's not true. We will all know what is yeah, up. <laughs> exactly. Specifically Skynet will know. Pretty sure, yeah. <laughs> and now everybody yeah. knows. <laughs> all right, man. All right. <laughs> Thank you so much for tuning in. It was a blast as always. And talk to you uh, next week at the same time in Tech Review. Bye.